And I was flying over the ocean toward the sunset, over that dapple of, of gold that the sun leaves, and beautiful colors. And it just couldn't be better. I was going zoom. I was just so fast. And it just felt delicious, that speed. Then this is the one moment I had of recollecting my earthly life. I said, wait a minute. People cannot fly. Am I dreaming? So I was in a nightclub. Uh, in Greenwich Village called the uh, Peppermint Lounge and it was cool and the basement was New Wave and it was cool and um, my date who was a coke dealer uh, we did all the cocaine he had brought and I was feeling like I was just this close to feeling okay and uh, he ran out and so we pulled together the money we had and we bought what a guy told us was a gram of cocaine and we snorted it, and my date said, this is doing nothing, it's doing nothing. And he just threw down his bill that he was using for a straw. And I said, well, I'll just do it all. Maybe if I do it all, I'll get a little bit high. So I just snorted everything there. So anyway, on my way to the bathroom, I began to get tunnel vision. And I wasn't scared, because I was so used to drugs. I was just like, I'm holding on for the ride. I don't know what this is, but we'll see. I got in the bathroom, and when I was in the stall, I realized I could not read any of the graffiti. And I began to realize it was getting dark. This is not normal for cocaine. Cocaine makes you blah, 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 blah. You know everything, you'll feel fantastic. I couldn't read, I couldn't think, it was getting dark. And I began to realize I couldn't breathe because there was no air. Um, after I got sober many years later and I got a lot of friends who used to be drug dealers, they said in the 80s, we used to cut cocaine with lidocaine because if the customer puts the lidocaine on their lips, it numbs it and they think it's cocaine. And it sounds like you got sold pure lidocaine and you got lidocaine poisoning. So lidocaine poisoning, it stops your heart. In fact, it stops all your autonomic nervous system. It just shuts it down. So I got out to my date and I said, there's no air, there's no air. And I was breathing as fast, as hard as I could, but my heart was only going maybe like 30 beats a minute, 20 beats a minute, I don't know. But eventually, they gave me a glass of water and they said, have this. He took me to the bartender and the bartender gave me a glass of water and I didn't want to have it, but I said, well, I'll just make them happy because my last act was a people pleaser act. <laughs> and I took a sip of water. So I will tell you what happened in this world was that I had a grand mal seizure and uh, I flung all around and did gross things that people do when they're having grand mal seizures. And um, then my heart stopped, I had a cardiac arrest. And the bartender came out from behind the bar and he did CPR on me. And it went on with no, wasn't doing anything because I was full of lidocaine for three minutes. And it shouldn't have done anything. It shouldn't, I should not have come back. I was still full of lidocaine, right? But on my side, what happened for me was I first thought I'd hit my chin on the bar because it felt like a Popeye punch and like I just shot up in the air. <laughs> and uh, I thought I was flying up in the air. And I went up above Manhattan and I had a very 
slight thought of, oh, thank God, I'm leaving all that silliness behind. And what I meant by silliness was not just Manhattan and the nightclub. It was playing this role of being Louisa. I just didn't want to do that anymore. And I was free of being Louisa. So I shot up in the air, it was a beautiful blue sky and the ocean was going around me in all directions and I got this idea that I could do a backbend and swan dive and I did it and it worked perfectly and I was like, yes, I did this backbend and then I was far, far above the ocean and I had a thought, don't, isn't it like concrete when you come from this high? And then I had no fear. I just said, well, we'll find out. And I hit it with a perfect dive and I dove way, way down. And that's cool. And then I thought, oh, look at the bubbles going up. How am I going to get back up there to the surface? Again, no fear. Next thing you know, I'm at the surface. And then I see a shore. And it's um, unfortunately not a tropical beach or a beautiful beach like that. It's more like a beach out at, uh, um, not Mia Bay, but Point of Arches. It's more like that. It's got a bank and there's this sea stack and I'm at the shore waiting out of it next thing I know and I see on top of this mesa or sea stack there is an old, old house. It's kind of blue, it's weather-worn, it's got shingles but they got those big spaces they get between them when the shingles kind of shrink and I thought that house has to do with me. I gotta get there. And so, next thing I know, I'm at the foot of the mesa, but it's covered with this repulsive, gross, rotten, stinky stuff. And I gotta climb it to get there. But I had this sense of, I can do this. I can overcome this. And I, next thing I know, I had made it to the door frame of the house, but I was only this high, and I really had no more body. I had somehow left it with the slimy stuff. Um, I'm just going to interrupt the narrative a little bit with sort of what I know now, which is that I was passing through different elements. I passed through air. I passed through water. I was on earth. And then here was wood, which is another element in Chinese. I saw the floor very, very close up, all the grain of the wood super close up. And I kind of glided over it just above it, and I knew this was the house of my ancestors. I knew this was where we all crossed through, that everybody before me had gone through that doorway and everybody after me would. And I was so excited, so honored, and I could feel the presence of my ancestors, but I couldn't see them. And I felt in particular the one grandfather who had died before I was born. He was especially stoked that I was there and that he would get to meet me, be with me. But uh, there was supposed to be an armchair, I knew, to look out at the ocean. And I knew that all my ancestors had loved to sit in this chair and, and look at the beautiful ocean. And I was like, what? This is no fair. Where, where's the chair? And I said, I want to see. As soon as I said, I want to see, I didn't really have a body, but it felt like I was getting pulled by the heart across that floor. And I said, whoa, I had a pig like, what is happening? This is crazy. And it took me up and then I went up the windowsill and I'm like, what is happening? And I went over the windowsill and I was flying over the ocean toward the sunset, 
over that dapple of, wa of gold that the sun leaves. And beautiful colors. And it just couldn't be better. I was going zoom. I was just so fast. And it just felt delicious, that speed. Then this is the one moment I had of recollecting my earthly life. I said, wait a minute. People cannot fly. Am I dreaming? Is this real? And a voice answered, this is the first time I ever heard Ignacio. He said, more real than anything back there. And I was not expecting to be answered. You know when you wonder? Like if you're like wondering something and somebody answers, it's not what you expect, right? So I was kind of like, whoa, but I was like, he's right. He's right. Although I didn't know he was a heathen. I just knew it was a voice. I just knew it was a voice. I'm kind of hard to remember how little I knew about it then. Um, and the sun grew bigger and bigger. And I had the thought, am I going to burn up when I hit it? And this is my last element, right? Fire is the only one I have left. And I got closer and closer. And then I went through a sort of filament. And I was inside the sun. And in the sun was the light that we all try to describe and can't. Uh, that is absolute love that permeates every bit of your being. And I could, I could feel it and it, it was almost like it reminded me of lying on the beach and feeling the sun just warm you up so perfectly, but it was all throughout my consciousness, not my body. And it was love and then I became aware of a figure that I couldn't see because all I could see was light but that was holding me like an infant and just pouring love into me, saying, you are so loved, you are so loved. And um, I, I loved the parent back again. I now believe that was Ignacio that was holding me. And I just wanted to hang out there for eternity. I was just, it was, could not have been more perfect. There was no sense of time. And all of a sudden, the voice says quite clearly, you can't stay, you're not done. Boom, lights gone, black, 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 gone, darkness. And I felt just a little bit of falling. Before I even felt the falling, I said, no, as loud as I could. And I felt like if you vaguely can remember being a toddler and deciding you're going to throw a fit to, be, to bring all fits, you know, to go beyond all fits and show those parents they can't make you do whatever it is, I had that feeling. And you show that parent, you can't make me go back. And then I got a little message, case is closed. And that's when I felt myself drop. And I was very afraid for just a fraction of a second. And then in the blackness, I began to see little stick figures doing all these antics and saying these little nursery rhymes. Like, how many hippos make a hopscotch? And I just thought, oh, this is not as good as the light, but it's kind of entertaining. I felt like a little Saturday morning cartoons forever. I'll just watch this. It'll be okay. <laughs> and so I watched, and um, then one of the figures' uh, head filled in like a dinner plate and started getting too close. So I couldn't watch what the other stick figures were going on the swing sets and teeter-totters. I couldn't see them. So I really felt like, what is what are you doing? And then his rhyme was, how many fingers, what is your name? <laughs> and then I realized I was back in the meat puppet. <laughs> and I was 
absolutely devastated. I could not have been more bummed. I was like, you've got to be kidding. But anyway, um, I eventually pieced together that we were waiting for an ambulance and eventually pieced together that the ambulance was for me and eventually thought my parents will find out and I will be in huge trouble and I'll have to go to the hospital and I hate hospitals and I just was not having it. So I just said to my date who had also been caught for some kind of cocaine thing at college and didn't want any more trouble. He was a, he was a um, middle school math teacher. Not a good thing, right? I said, I don't want to go in my ambulance. And so he just took my hand, we jumped in a cab, we drove away. All the people came and banged on the cab. I remember thinking that was so fun because they were all banging on the cab. <laughs> and uh, I went back and um, I was going to fast forward to the next morning, the next day. Uh, I was telling my roommate about my hallucination that I had had the night before. And when I got to the part in the light, she said, so that was kind of God. And I knew it was God. I knew it was this thing way, way underneath my personality. But I just, personality just could not hack it. And so I said, oh, yeah, it was like God, and went past it. And then I had time alone in the room, the bedroom, and um, I remember sitting with my back to the bed and looking at this very dusty uh, little square table with a lot of, I remember all the dust, and thinking that was not a hallucination. And then I was like, but if that was not a hallucination, then the church people are right, and you're gonna have to start going to church and like wearing like dresses and not saying the F word all the time and not drinking and getting high and you know, not being cool. And I was just, I can't, I just can't. And so I'm like, there's gotta be something else. What I used, you know, I hadn't heard of an NDE, hadn't heard of any of this stuff, no, couldn't say it was a DMT dump, I didn't know any of those things, didn't even know really about hypoxia, but my image was of Hal in 2001, as Dave pulls out those tubes of liquid, whatever they are, and, and Hal gets more and more simplistic till he can only sing the song Daisy, and I thought my Daisy was love. So that, in other words, my brain had shut down and the last little spark to go out was love. But it had felt so big because that's all there was. And I said, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Nothing happened, it's over, it's done. Okay, I can go back to doing what I do. And I did. <laughs>